1C, would you please rise for our first song? somebody asks you, how are you doing? What's often the response? Good or fine, you know? If we drill down a little bit to that, the truth is 
if I ask you how you're doing, all of us, we're, we're broken, we're fragile, we're sinners, and yet we have a God who loves us so much. So I think it's much more than just the word fine can grab hold of, but the word good. And that's really the rhythm of a Christian's life, is we acknowledge our sin, and we also acknowledge our Savior. In the next song we're going to sing, it, uh, we sang it about six weeks ago, called Waymaker. And what I love about this song, it's a reminder of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, the life, for people like you and me. When we're, we're stuck in our sin, when we're lost and in despair, this Waymaker comes and says, I love you. So think about your sin, yes, but think about this Waymaker who has come for people like you and me. Let's sing. Let's sing together. Sing it again. You. 
in the Gospels, story after story after story, we find this Jesus who was born as a babe in Bethlehem, who made his way to a cross on Calvary. But in those three and a half years, whenever he came across people who were broken and fragile and lost and in despair, he wouldn't just say that he is the way, the truth, the life. He would show it with his love, his mercy, his grace. So if you're here today, and if you are like me, human being, there is brokenness and fragility and sin and pain and hurt and disappointment. And Jesus says to you, and he says to me, I'm the way maker. I can bring you peace and hope and joy, not like this world, but I can give you peace and love and joy that will last for eternity. So my prayer is we consider our sin even more so we consider this Jesus and his grace and his mercy and his love. Let's sing again the chorus to Waymaker.
And this Jesus, he's attentive, he's listening, and he knows what's going on in the life of his, his brothers and sisters. We, we take time in worship for prayer, so that's going to happen a little bit later. But if you have some prayer requests, things that are on your hearts, whether it's thanksgiving and joy or maybe some really big hurt, there are prayer sheets right in front of you in the chair backs. Fill that out, and in just a moment, the ushers will come forward and gather those, and we'll include those in our time of prayer. This is also a time for us as we gather tithes and offerings. This is a moment for people like you and me to think about what blessings has God given me? And how can I show my thanksgiving to him? And I, I always tell people it's a very personal moment. It's between you and your God. So just ask him, in what ways do you want me to show my thanksgiving to you? And then thirdly, you'll notice at the ends of the rows there are fellowship pads. If you would, take time now and fill those out, pass it around, and get to know some of the people that are near you. May God be glorified in our singing, our praying, and in all parts of this worship. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not
new sermon series begins today. But let me give you a roadmap so you understand where we've been and where we're going, all right? We're going to go back to Christmas Eve. We gather together, and if you recall, there was John chapter 1. And I, I love the message version of this. It says, he put on flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. So he came here to be with us. After that, for five weeks, we talked about how to be a neighbor. And we talked about being a neighbor to orphans, to people of all different kinds of color, to the lonely, to the poor. We talked about reaching out with this love of God to all kinds of people because we all need Jesus. Now, if during that time when we, um, we talked about and preached on how to neighbor, I don't know if you felt uncomfortable at all. Maybe you were like, no, this is no big thing. I'm going to challenge you. I think this next series is going to stir you and me maybe a little bit more than ever before. Because this series is going to talk about taking the good news of God's love, not just to the orphans and widows and to the lonely and to different races and whatever. It's going to be even to our enemies. People that we don't get along with. People who may be even irritating or dangerous to us. That's the story of Jonah. God's grace for all people. So we're going to be walking through that throughout this month. I, I challenge you, come on back every single week. Uh, this week we're going to look at the theme, Jonah on the run. How many of you have ever felt on the run from something or somebody? Okay. Maybe, maybe you can identify. I'm going to bring you back to the time, 48 years ago, I don't remember. I was, I think, somewhere in sixth grade. And um, my parents told me very clearly, no playing football in the living room. Anybody ever get those kind of rules from parents? Yeah, all right. Don't play football. And my brother, who is a year and a half older than me, we decided not to listen to my parents' rule. And so we took a Nerf football and we played football in the living room. Now you would have thought we would make sure everything would be cleared and safe so that nothing would happen. We didn't. And I remember the story it this way. My brother threw this Nerf football at an antique lamp of my grandma's. That's how I remember it. Now, maybe time has distorted it. But what happened is the lamp broke into many pieces. What do you think we did? Yeah, got Elmer's glue. Isn't that what you use to repair an antique lamp? We didn't know any better. Anyway, we put it together, and we look at it, and like, okay, this is, this is good, all right? We're good here. We're, we're going to kind of move on from it and leave it there. And so the next day, after school, we come home, and we go through... And my mom worked and my dad worked, so it was empty house. Guess what we found? The lamp in pieces again. So, what did we do? Do you think we went to mom and dad and said, Mom, dad, you know, I, we, we've done wrong and please forgive us? And no, we took the Elmer's glue again, did it, put it together. Whew, I think we dodged the bullet. So then the next day, we ran, literally ran home from school to make sure that we got there before mom did because so far, it doesn't look like it's working. Guess what happened? It did it again. I don't know how many days in a row, it felt like a year or two that we would run home, try to fix this thing. Finally, because I have such a conscience, <laughs> I finally break down. I go to my mom, mom. We were playing football, and the football, you know, and I'm just like distraught over this. Ready for this? My mom said, I knew that. She had known from the very beginning that the lamp was broken. She was just waiting for the moment where we would come to her and say, hey, I'm sorry. And after that was all done, I'm sure there was some consequence, but I knew that my mom and my dad loved me. And he you know, they, they take great delight when we came to them. So I don't know if that's your journey. In many ways, that's the journey of Jonah. And we're going to look at that. Now, 
mind you, we could sit back and say, you know what, this story, you know, it's about a fish. It's about Jonah. It's about some sailors. It's about this town of Nineveh. It's much more than that. So we're going to walk through this for the next couple weeks. We're going to look at this in light of Jonah's experience and maybe what can we learn in this. So let's take a jump right into Jonah chapter 1. And we find the phrase, the word of the Lord. I think it was in December. We talked about um, what a prophet is. A prophet is somebody who is a mouthpiece for God. And one of the phrases that often gives you a hint that this person's a prophet is when the phrase, the word of the Lord. When you find that phrase, there's a good chance this person is a prophet if the word of the Lord comes to somebody. So here we have, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, we don't know a lot about Jonah. Um, As you read around, you know that he was a prophet during the reign of Jeroboam. Uh, He was highly favored as a prophet. I mean, he was good. Uh, Israel, during this time, uh, was doing pretty good. I mean, they had some favor of the Lord upon them, and they weren't in too much trouble. But as we go a little bit further, we find God says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So Nineveh was part of Assyria. Assyria was the powerhouse at the time. Nineveh, just by itself, had 100,000 people. You've got to remember, back then, that's a lot. But they had a lot of power and might. And whenever they would go into battle, they would win the battles. But they wouldn't just win the battle. They would, they would parade around with dead bo- uh, bodies and dead parts. And, I mean, they were just a brutal, brutal nation when it came to war. And so I could picture why Jonah, as he's hearing this, going like, oh, I don't know if I like this. That's why when we get to verse 3... We're told that Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And you can see on the map, to what extent did Jonah and us at times, right? When God tells us to do something and when we really don't want to do it, like for Jonah, it was only 550 miles to go to Nineveh, but he did not want to listen to God. So he decided that 2,500 miles is much better than listening to God and go 550. So he was serious. But the part that stirs me, and you see it twice in this verse, verse 3, he wanted to go away from the presence of the Lord. Two times. Now what was the presence? Well, back then, you know, the temple, that's where God was located. And so Jonah wanted to get as far away as that presence and that reminder as he possibly could. And if that means going over to Tarshish, you know, and traveling all that, you know, he's willing to do that because he does not want to go where God is calling him. So we could sit back and say, all right, yeah, it's about Jonah. It's about a whale. It's about the sailors. But I believe that in this story, what God wants to teach people like you and me are two very important doctrines that's found throughout the scripture. And the doctrines are sin and grace. And in light of the story for today, I'd like to propose a definition. Sin is running away from God. And grace is God running towards us. Kind of a simple definition. Just kind of grab hold of it. And let's see this played out in the history. Where do we first see this sin and grace thing taking place? We don't have to go far. We go right into the beginning. There we have Adam and Eve. If you recall, God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree because if you eat from it, you will surely die. What did they do? So God said, don't do it. They ran away from God and decided to eat from the tree. And after they ate from the tree, they realized that they crossed the line. So did they go right to God and say, God, I'm really sorry we did this? No. We find in Genesis that they went and hid in the garden. I think it's pretty ridiculous to play hide-and-seek from God. He knows all the secret places. Anyways, so now we find God 
coming towards them. And we find him coming upon Adam and Eve. And there's a dialogue that ensues. And yeah, we hear the consequence of their sin, but we also hear of the promise of God coming towards humanity. And it's in Genesis 3.15. I think it's very picturesque. It says, this is God speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between thy seed and your seed. He will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. And for me, I go to the, um, the story, of the movie, The Passion of Christ. Remember that? There was that scene where Jesus was in the garden and the serpent was kind of slithering around and you saw that moment where the character of Jesus went like this. That was God's promise that I'm going to pursue you. I am going to come after you, my creation, because I love you so much. I'm not going to let, let you die forever. I'm going to do the unthinkable. I'm going to give my only son. So right in the beginning, book of Genesis, we get to the New Testament, and we can go into the Gospels, and we find the story of the prodigal son or the forgiving father, as I like to call it. I think that's the main character, not the prodigal son. But remember what happened. The younger son gets this inheritance, wants it, and what does he do? Yeah, he goes away from the father, and he wastes everything. And then he comes to his senses. And I'm guessing he's thinking about his father. He's thinking about the character of his father, the love of his father. And he's hoping that he can just come back and be a servant. So as he's coming back, and I can just picture how hard that must have been. But he comes back, and who does he see beelining to him? His father. His father is now running after this prodigal son. Now, if it was me, if I'd come up against my son, I would say, what were you thinking? But that's not the dialogue. He was so happy that the son is now back. Let's throw a party. Let's do all of this because my son who was lost now is found. I mean, that is just beautiful. And if you think about it, the story of the prodigal son or forgiving father, there's some similarities with that and the story of Jonah. There is a running away and there's God running after him in the form of a fish. And we'll talk about that in another week. Um, but the, pretty important stuff to understand this rhythm of sin and grace that's found in the Bible, this rhythm of sin and grace which is found in you and me, it just is what it is. So, what is sin? Now, it is disobeying and dishonoring, but I want to make sure we're very specific. It's not just disobeying or dishonoring um, popular opinion in this world. But it's very specifically disobeying and dishonoring God's word. When God says something, he wants us to do it. And every time God tells us to do something, it's for his glory and for our good. Every single time. And when we don't listen to God's word, when we say we know better, it's really ultimately breaking that first commandment right? You shall have no other gods before me. We start saying, no, I know better. And that's sin. And that's what you wrestle with. That's what I wrestle with. And it is deadly, right? Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul says that the wages of sin is death. I mean, that is our condition BC, right? Before Christ. So what is grace? You know, grace, I don't think we can ever come up with a set of words that's going to describe this grace. We're going to get to see this when we get to heaven. Grace will be fully realized. But we do get a picture and a glimpse of it while we're on this earth. And I think God gives us a picture and a glimpse of it so we get it. And that's why I love the fact that we've got this cross sitting in this church as a strong visual reminder of God's riches. Not at your expense. But at Christ's expense, his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. That is grace. That is mercy for people like you and me. Paul says it this way. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. And for me, it, it just removes the question marks. You know, there are denominations out there, and if you think back on the Reformation about 500 and some years ago, there was this thought that, yeah, it's what Jesus did, plus what you do will equal your salvation. Well, Martin Luther and people even today, if part of the equation is us, how do we know if we've done enough? And that's a trap. That's why Paul emphatically says, it's not you. You can't boast about this. It's not by your works or what you can accomplish. It's not by how many times you come to church or how many Bible studies you do. It's by the grace of God we're saved. It's all Jesus. 100% Jesus, 0% us. To me, that's powerful. This next verse, um, Psalm 23, if you... If you uh, the Psalms are beautiful. If you ever get a chance to read them, please do. It talks about human condition, God's solution, right? Human condition, God's solution. And I think this is the moment, because David is the writer of this Psalm, where I'm guessing he's reflecting back on Bathsheba and his sin. And he's struggling with it. And yet with a sense of boldness, because God has revealed it to him. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And even though the enemy wants to whisper and say, David, you're a screw-up, look at what you did. God's love pursues us. This past week, I had an opportunity to visit with uh, Ron Johnson. Some of you, you know him, member of the church. Um, and he had texted me, Kind of cool, 80-some years old, and he's texting me. He goes, Pastor, where, where is the origin of the Hebrew language? You know, here I am, I'm on vacation, and, and he wants to get in dialogue with him. So I said, you know, I think it's better for us to talk. So I go and I visit him at the hospital this week, and, and so we get into this. And I, I said, you know what, you know, there's so much more to this, but I, let me just tell you this. The Hebrew language is really hard to put into words. It's very picturesque. And we can attempt, and we do attempt, to put it into words that will help us understand what God is trying to say. And then I came back, and I was looking at the Psalm 23 thing, and I was doing my studies, and, you know, it says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the day. That seems so almost lackadaisical, the way the word is spoken there. In the Hebrew... It is in the emphatic tense. So it's not just a, I'm going to follow you. You know, if you go left, I'll go left. It's not like that. It's more of a chase. It's more intense than just a, well, okay. He is like on our tail everywhere we go. And he's going to have his goodness and mercy follow us because he knows we so desperately need his goodness and mercy. And he is relentless. That's what David experienced. Even though his sin, his pile of sin was so great, God's goodness and mercy was there, and it made a difference in his life. Another aspect is grace is amazing. I know you're thinking, duh. But just think about this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. I call this the great exchange. What do I have to offer? Nothing. Nothing good. We'll just say it that way. And God says, you know what? I'll, I'll trade you. It reminds me back in, um, when we were just newly married going to the seminary, we had this 1962 Mercury Comet. Okay? Not a very sexy car at all. AM radio, no seat belts, no air conditioning, and we were living in St. Louis, Missouri. <sighs> right? Well, my parents drive all the way down to see us and visit us. My dad says, hey, Jim, can I have your, your keys? And I'm like, okay. well, he probably wants to put gas in my car. Nice dad, right? Well, he comes back up, and he gives me a different set of keys. 
And he said, there's no way that I want to see you or Kristen or our, or our granddaughter driving in a car like that without seatbelts and some of the other things. The great exchange. And so, truthfully, it was your sin, my sin. He says, I'm going to put it on me. I'm going to go up on the cross. That should be yours. But I'm going to do that because I love you. Not because you deserve it. To me, that's amazing. That is beyond our comprehension. And that's for us. But here's the one I think it's going to... We're going to believe it in, in theory and we like the idea, but I think it's going to be tough. The grace of God is for everyone. In Titus, we're told, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to... Well, wait a minute, Pastor. I've had a moment like this where I was sitting, um, giving uh, communion to a homebound. This is probably 30 years ago. And they said, Pastor, I just can't see how God could ever forgive somebody like Adolf Hitler and all the things that he did. And then they went through a list of some other people and they were like, how could God ever forgive them? And then I said, the grace of God is greater than any sin. And I think that's hard for us to comprehend. But the truth, the truth is that the grace of God in Jesus, the love, the forgiveness, the mercy, I mean, all the things that he does for us is greater than the city of Nineveh. The Assyrians who were so brutal and murderous. And so when God says to Jonah, I want you to go to those people because they're in so desperate need to hear of my grace and mercy. I think Jonah struggled like maybe you and I would. They don't deserve it. And maybe they don't. And in fact, they don't. But they need it. They need the grace of God. So as we take this journey over the next couple of weeks, we're going, to be, we're going to be talking about this grace of God and how important it is to be put into the hands of all people. But hopefully, right, the more we get to know God's character and who he is, the more it's going to shape our thinking and our actions so that more and more people can hear this good news of God's love for us. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father of prayer, that you bring healing to my body. Help the areas in need of healing to be quickly healed. I know, Lord, it is not my time, but yours. Dear God, help me to be more patient, more relaxed, less stressed. Help me to smile more and feel sad less. Thank you for my wonderful husband, son, family, friends, this amazing church and all its members and pastors dealing. Prayers, Father, you give me comfort and strength for my sister after the loss of her husband. Lord, please help me with all of the chronic pain I'm dealing with. A prayer for my daughter, Isabel, that she is healthy and that we are reunited soon. Prayers that you help me learn my new job and have confidence that you will guide me. Prayers for our president, prayers for everyone going through cancer, a prayer of thanks for all you've done, for what you've given my family, please continue to watch over and guide and protect me and my children, a prayer, Lord, that you help me go through my treatments for cancer, a prayer that you work in the hearts and minds of the U.S. Senators, please guide their thoughts and actions, and please help the truth to come out in your will to be done prayers for my SOS family. Lord, a prayer for people that are homeless and don't have a bed or a house. God, please watch over everyone. A prayer for my four-year-old granddaughter who has severe stomach pain that is undiagnosed. Prayers for my grandma to find answer to what's wrong. She's in the Lincoln Hospital. Prayers for the doctors to help her. Prayers for strength and patience. For me to raise my children the best of my ability as a single mother.
prayers for my mom's first day on her new job tomorrow. Prayers for my grandpa that his chemo goes well. A prayer of thanks for the gift of family. Prayers for healing for my husband who is coming back to Christ-centered life. That God will help him in softening an anger-hardened heart and prayers of strength and guidance as we navigate our healing and marriage. Prayers for the Super Bowl next Sunday that no players get hurt. Prayers for the adoption process, for the right mother and baby to join our family when the time is right. Prayers for those battling loss and sorrow. Prayers for healing for my friend Brian, who is in the fight for his life. Prayer for my husband who is hospitalized for two weeks. May God lead the doctors to answers to cure his lung, his lung complications. God, you are the way maker, the miracle worker, and we know who you are. A prayer of thanks for stabilizing our finances. We pray for wisdom as we begin to catch up on bills we couldn't pay for. Thank you for your favor with your creditors during this time. A prayer of gratitude and thanks to the 1C band and the church, their willingness to come and share their abundant talents that we love worshiping with you. Prayers for Carrie Ann. Prayers for strength and resolve to be able to start over, for I can't do this alone. We just thank you, Heavenly Father, our comforter and healer. We thank you for the blessings you have bestowed on upon our family and myself. Lord, please be with my family as we embark on a new journey in this life. Let it be a positive and successful one, a benefit to the community. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus to save us from our sins. Help us to all be good stewards and Christians. Help us to follow the path you have set before us. Father, we thank you for all the prayers that have been unspoken here today, unspoken, that you know what's on our hearts. You know our pains, our sorrows, our joys, and that you pursue us. You pursue us with your love, and we just thank you for that. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Our God continues to pursue us with his grace. In this meal, given 2,000 years ago in that upper room with his disciples, he continues to give the gift today. Here at 1C, we believe it's, yes, bread and wine, but also the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, for the strengthening of our faith, and the reminder once again that he is with us always. If this is your belief, we invite you, encourage you to come and to receive this precious meal. If it's not your belief, we still invite you to come forward for a blessing. And also just a reminder that for those that uh, would prefer gluten-free or non-alcoholic options, uh, just let the server know as you come forward. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen.
Lord, I hope this day is good. I'm feeling empty and misunderstood. I should be thankful, Lord, I know I should. But Lord, I hope this day is good. Forgotten me. I'm praying to you faithfully. I'm not saying I'm a righteous man, but Lord, I hope you understand. I don't need fortune and I don't need fame. Send down the thunder, Lord, send down the rain. Just how it should be Plan a good day for me Lord, I hope this day is good I'm feeling empty and misunderstood I should be thankful, Lord, I know I should But Lord, I hope this day is good This day is good. I'm feeling 
empty and misunderstood I should be thankful, Lord, I know I should But Lord, I hope this day is good I should be thankful, Lord, I know I should But Lord, I hope this day is good And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus strengthen you and empower you for life, for ministry and mission, all for the glory of God, we pray. Oh, good and gracious God, thank you again for the way in which you feed us and nurture us and how you strengthen us in this journey. And we thank you that this meal is a gift given out of love and received by faith. And may we take this gift, your love for us, into this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Receive now the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. All right, as this guy comes over here, I just want you to know I was gone for a couple weeks. And do I have any sun? I think a little bit. Yeah, I was in Arizona. But I did get to watch the service. Did you know that we live stream our service? And did you know that last week I got to see somebody making fun of my Green Bay Packers? <laughs> and just so you know, I was able to see all of you and who laughed and who... I'm going to get even. No, just kidding. <laughs> but it was great. So if you ever are traveling or gone or sick, make sure you go to our website or Facebook or whatever. And many different ways in which you can catch us online. In fact, um, it's being streamed right now. Yeah. Uh, missions. We, yeah. We're talking about Jonah, but there's opportunities. It, there is. I've always been encouraged and excited by how mission-minded 1C is. And I think most people want to live on mission, but maybe don't have a picture of what that looks like or think maybe I don't have enough time on my schedule. Um, so we're starting Wednesday on Wednesday evenings uh, during exploration time, have this training, Life on Mission, so how we can live an integrated and intentional life. And living on mission isn't adding something on top of our already busy schedule, but how can we live um, where we live, work, play, go to school in a way that we're living on mission. So excited for that um, on and Wednesday nights. Right. So Wednesday nights, make sure you come. And again, I, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I thought mission meant going to Africa. And I think what this is going to help you and me understand that mission is going to Africa, you bet, but it's also in our home our neighborhoods, our workplaces, wherever we go. So encourage you to come. You know, again, Wednesdays, we'd love for you to be a part of it. A couple other opportunities are young people are, uh, we have a mission trip for them in July. So if you are present 7th grader through 12th grader, um, talk with Greg or somebody and get some information. If you know of some young people that would be blessed by this, encourage them, pray for them so that they could be part of it. We also have a, what I call a great mission opportunity on March 12th. We have some bands that are going to come right here to our church. And maybe through the vehicle of music, the message of the gospel might kind of go into the ears and into the hearts of people. So do a couple things. Number one, think about how can you serve in helping this make happen. Uh, but also think about who can you bring, bring to this event. And just keep praying for them that this gospel would change a heart. So that's it for announcements. Uh, God continue to bless you throughout the week. Let's stand and sing. I can see the waters raging at my feet. I can't feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can't.
Sunday, everybody. Go see.